0: Bucks, never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Welcome in to another edition of Green and Growing. See Sparky Pfeiffer, Nathan Marzion being joined to lead off the show. Bucks legend, John McLaughlin joins us. Johnny Mack, thanks for coming on, man. How are you? Hey, Spark, I'm happy to do this with you Nice to have a chat with you again, and Nathan, welcome. You know, there's a, there's a couple of things we got to get into here. Uh, I, I guess right off the bat, because the, the Bucks are in a in a different position as they always are. Right, you win a championship, the next year you come back, you have a have a target on your back, and then Chris Middleton gets hurt, so you're really not at full strength going in. But then you get the extended offseason that they haven't had in in quite some time to actually outside of Giannis, you know, get healthy, rest up a little bit. And I think you're kind of seeing it here to start the year where you bring back most of your guys and you're finally healthy and have had some rest like everybody else normally gets every year. And I think you're seeing it play out by them only having one loss so far, John.
1: Well, I would agree, Sparky. And, and something that uh, I've I've been very aware of over the years is how difficult it is to repeat and what the Celtics did years ago and the Lakers have done more recently and the Bulls, all the teams that have repeated multiple times, I think it's remarkable what they do because you, one, have to try to keep your team together or improve it. And, two, you have to come back with the same intensity and attitude uh, that you had the year you won it. And uh, I know when we won it in 71, we came back in 72 and laid in A. Because our guys, some of our guys, they weren't ready. They they weren't prepared and hungry as they were the year before. So I think it's difficult to repeat. I think there's great equality now in the NBA. And as you know, if any one player that's significant goes down, like Chris Middleton, that affects the entire season or certainly the playoffs.
2: Yeah. And I mean, just going off of that, obviously, I don't have the the experience that that John does being a player and actually going through this, someone who won a championship and, you know, sees firsthand how the team might be affected that next year. Um, It's definitely something that, you know, you can imagine it has to be difficult to keep up that intensity and. The whole year you're kind of like still in, you know, you're not still celebrating that last championship, but there's a little bit of, oh, you know, okay, we did it, especially when it's one that, you know, the city's waited so long for. And, um, you know, Giannis and those guys, it's like they finally got it done. There's a tendency to just, you know, relax a little bit. And and the fact that every single team that, you know, you're going to another team's arena, that's a huge, huge game for that whole city. You know, oh, the Bucks are in town. the, the The champs are in town. Like you said, there is a little bit of a target on your back, and it just makes it that much more challenging. And I think, I mean, I w- I was impressed with how well the Bucks did last year. I think if they were healthy, they would have had a you know really good shot to go back to back. And so, and you know, the fact they took the Celtics to seven without without Chris was impressive, and how they were kind of able to handle that whole season um, with all those challenges, like you said.
1: Well, I, first, I think it speaks to character. Um, and uh, that's why I was so disappointed in, in seventy two. We we as a team had a few guys that didn't bring it, in. and and I think this team behind Giannis because he does have high character and high work ethic, and is committed to his craft and being better and a goal, and and I think everybody else on the team has to live up to him, and and that says a lot for this Bucks team. And I think John Horst, our GM, has done a phenomenal job every year of trying to build around Giannis and continue to you know plug the holes if there are any minor or big holes that you have to plug. And then it goes through the character of the people. you got to bring it. And all the other teams in this league are good, too. And it, it makes it extremely difficult to keep that bar as high as you want it, but when you got Giannis leading the pack, uh, that says a lot for the potential of another championship season.
0: We were talking about this on the last uh, episode of Green and Growing, John, uh, about Giannis and how some some fans – uh, will not lay off of Giannis like oh he's got to work on his jumper he's got to get with a better shooting coach he's got to figure this out he's got to take it to the next level and Nathan and I both are like at this point it doesn't matter He he's become so dominant that even with the jumper being where it is at this point he's still damn near unstoppable at this point John and even if he plateaus and says okay this is as good as he gets and he's not going to stop working I'm not going to say he's, you know, he's going to stop working but let's say this is where it stops as far as how he progresses year to year he still going to be among one of the all-time greats regardless if that jumper gets better or not at this point. Uh, Sparky, well said, as you so often
1: do, you, uh, you understand the facts of situations like this and, you know, how a player... Um, can develop and improve or not uh, Giannis deserves no criticism ever whatsoever he has improved that jumper greatly he's worked very hard at it um, when I see what he has done in his career I'm amazed beyond amazement and as you know I've seen all, all the great ones going back to the uh, mid to early 60s and played against a number of them all the way up through the 80s and 90s and 2000s that I covered and And I've seen the great ones. I've never seen one to evolve the way he has to work harder than him. And I agree with you, if he just would level off right now, he's in the upper of the great ones. And yet, knowing his personality and the way he works, he's still going to get a little bit better in every area, and he's done it this year. And, and I heard him talking on one of the interviews about he's been eating uh, fruit for yeah. game meals and how he feels like fruit is giving him even more of a um, an ability to keep this type of drive going that we're all amazed at. And I think that's something that might set a new standard on what are menus and pregame meals uh, he's something no question about it, deserves no criticism whatsoever
2: yeah and I think um, you know agree with everything you said there and the the fact that he continuously and he's talked about it and he's kind of admitted to it that he kind of has to make up reasons to you know get better and because he could so easily just be like you know he could have done this two years ago when he won mvp and been, hey i'm the mvp i'm the defense player of the year i'm gonna get a little bit complacent i'm gonna kind of get settled a little bit rather than i gotta keep going i gotta do this i gotta get better i gotta and he even after winning a championship he just makes up and he kind of will lie in interviews and say, no, I'm not the best player in the world. Um, you calls know, calls himself
0: I, a great role player. Yeah.
2: And he'll just say, I also I, sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and he just makes that kind of stuff up to, to really just keep himself going and keep himself motivated. Cause he knows that's, you know, that that's going to just help him become that much better. It's going to help him, you know, the team, because obviously he's, he's the, he's the leader. And if, they mentioned this kind of on the last dance as well in regards to Michael Jordan. It's like these these role players, if if the best player on the team who really has nothing else to prove is working that hard, why is nobody else? You know, you have to work hard. How can you not work hard when the guy that's over there? You know, the, the best player in the world that everyone knows is the best player in the world is still every single day trying to get better. Everyone else on that team is going to try to get better. And so I, I love that you kind of put the spotlight on Giannis there because I think him just leading by example has been huge.
1: Hundred percent, all the way down the line. And, and I'm sure he's the type of guy, I, I, you know, I, I don't know him like I do guys when I still did games and traveled and all. But he's probably the type of guy that will go over and say something to one of the other players on the team if he's not measuring up or carrying the freight. And don't you just love Giannis in every regard? Listen to the things he says. It's all refreshing. It's It's truth. He doesn't come through with some of these attitudes and comments of some of the superstars that you can line up. Look at the Nets right now and look at look at the Lakers and the stuff you hear from these guys that gets sickening quite frankly when you hear them telling you how to live, how to do this, how to do that, and 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 the stock answers that you hear in sports so often, you get none of that from Giannis. He's, he's a refreshing human being that is on the world stage and has become a great player.
0: You know, when you talk about this Bucks team and, and getting back and, and possibly winning another championship and what it looks like in the Eastern Conference, right? The Boston Celtics are probably going to be one of those teams that they're going to have to deal with at some point, but they went through that whole coaching transition because of what happened up in the offseason, so they've got a rookie head coach there. The Philadelphia 76ers obviously with Joel Embiid and James Harden uh, and those guys and, and what they bring to the table. I don't know if the Cavaliers can do it right away in their first year with Donovan Mitchell but they've got a lot of talent they're young they're super long which could present problems uh, to the Bucs too but when you look at it what stops the Bucs at this point because I've been saying I I think they're probably the best team in the east right now providing they can stay healthy considering you're doing this without Chris Middleton you're doing this without Pat Connaughton at this point and Joe Ingles who was your one addition in the offseason your shooter uh, this has been awfully impressive.
1: Well, doesn't it say a lot for John Horst and yeah. for the guys on this team? And I agree with you. I think they are, too. Even though you can see like in Atlanta, we always kind of have trouble with Atlanta uh, and, and the teams you've mentioned, uh, New Jersey, you know, they're imploding from within because of the opposite type of superstars they have versus right. our guy. I mean, you know, everything those guys say, you don't even want to pay attention to. And and I I think, depending on injury, as you're absolutely right, because that is so critical in, in the league, but I think this team where it is right now is so good, and they're going to be better when they get completely healthy. So then it goes back to keep it going as Giannis going to run into the wall a little bit because of his offseason and how much he played you know for his team in Greece and I don't know he seems to always be able to rise up and be stronger and I think a lot of the guys are doing the same thing in regards to the way they eat and the way they train
2: yeah and and John I wanted to ask kind of your thoughts so in the off season. They didn't do much in terms of making huge additions. It was kind of just bringing back the same guys and basically running it back, you know, just just keeping those role players together. They added, you know, some minor guys, Joe Ingles and drafted Bo Champ who has, you know, he's contributed pretty nicely so far this year. But largely it's going to be the same team. I wanted to, to ask your thoughts on that because I know in the offseason it was kind of a, a very big debate. Um was, hey, should the bucks be doing more to try to get better? Should they be going out and trying to move pieces to to really make some upgrades? And in my opinion, I was like, what you know, I don't think there's much to really change. I think if they're healthy last year, they probably win it again, and that at that point, you're back to back champs. If, you know, again, if they were healthy, I think there's a good chance of that happening. So I think it's just as important to to keep all these guys together. and um the importance of kind of continuity and all that as it is to, you know potentially move them and try to make upgrades but that's a little bit risky. I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on um you know keeping things together and rolling with the same with the same team compared to trying to make some huge upgrades.
1: Well, general manager John Horst has proven with his staff, they know what they're doing and they think that way. They're not the kind of guys to pull triggers quickly, make a lot of changes. So look, look at the teams that have been really good over the years, and I can't go into this with every team, but that have won the championships. Not many make big changes. They, they supplement. They make a little move here, a little move there, you know, depending on each of their – Their rosters at the time. And I think the improvements John has made over over the last few years have been just those type of changes. Let's make the subtle ones, the little ones, you know, uh, let's go out and get another or two shooters. Let's go out and get another defender or a big guy. Let's go get this and go get that. That's... That's very important, and and I don't I don't mean in this call to go back to seventy one, but was something that I saw then, and I think John has learned just looking back and watching history. The Bucks broke our team up; they, they broke us apart, and it was some sideline people that weren't necessarily major starters, but they were key people. And the next year, we didn't have the same team. And we were therefore affected. And it took us another couple of years in 74 to get back. So I think John knows he's got a championship
0: team and he's going to continue to try to tweak it, not change it. You bring that up. You don't have to go back to 71. You can go back to Ray, Sam, and Big Dog. And Scott Williams leaves (laughs) and Anthony Mason comes in and that team was never the same after that and essentially got blown up shortly thereafter. 100%. 100%. And and then even though it
1: wasn't a championship team when when George Carl traded away Ray Allen yep, for Gary Payton for 10 games, that was a disaster. Ray would have ended his career here because I've talked to him about it. He loved being here. And and so you're right. It's it, It's be smart about the changes you make and how you make them because it's not always... In the stat sheet, it's the continuity and the camaraderie of the team that counts. Also,
0: John McLaughlin got to have you on. Got to ask about the Mac Fund uh, before before we move on here. What's going on? The latest of the Mac Fund. How are things going?
1: Yeah, Sparky, you never let that one drop, and it's one of the reasons I've always enjoyed being with you and trust you so much. Although you know what you're talking about when it comes to basketball, uh, not everyone in your business does. Um, The MAC Fund, of course, important. It came through COVID like everyone else did. We went from about 75 events down to five. But, But we had some major, major people step up and give us huge donations where they just wrote a check that got us through COVID. Because you know what? Childhood cancer does not care at all what COVID is doing. It still is ravaging our children so, the Mac fund is back. We're full strength. We've got over seventy five events a year now. We've had some great donations. And we have a wonderful staff and we're we're doing what we've got to do. We're in a fight for life for our kids. and we'll keep fighting.
0: I've always wondered something I've never asked you. What does John McLaughlin do? like a perfect a perfect day for John McLaughlin? Where are you? What are you doing? W- what's that perfect day like for you? Because for me, it's chilling at magic kingdom. I'm all good. So for you, John McLaughlin, <laughs> what is it? Well, now are you asking me what my perfect day would be if I could create it? Yes. Or what my perfect day is now. No, no, no. If you could create it like one, one dream scenario of one day, wh- where would you be? What would you be doing? Wow.
1: Spark. No one's ever asked me that. And as you know, I've had every question asked <laughs> <to me. laughs> a thousand times over the years. Um, because, you know, now my life is different than it was when I was playing and right. and being involved in businesses with my partners and running a business and then doing TV games. I'd go to my office for six hours and I'd go down and do a game or go on the road and, and do a, a television game for 43 years. And, and I was really busy because you had the Mac fund to that and all the events that I would go to. And. And then help, you know, make sure that we're, we're staffed right and, and helping our our leaders that we've hired over the years. Um, we're John Kerry and then Becky Pinter now and the staff that we have, Brian Goddard, has come on as a major gifter for us. So the MAC Fund's big to me now. I don't have to do all the business stuff and the the income level stuff and trying to build my, my careers. Uh, so now what I enjoy as a perfect day is a little different than it was back then. Uh, But I'm like everybody else, uh, loving your family, Um, having an opportunity. This maybe sounds uh, staged for some people, but having an opportunity to do more things for the Mac fund that helps us save a child's life and keeps families from going through, because for me, this has been God-driven. This is this is God's work. But, you know, I enjoy where we live. We live on a lake, and I get to enjoy that time. Having an 80-degree day and, and being able to uh, have some good food, uh, do some good things for other people, because that's what christ has called us to do and be with my family that's as good as it gets right there
0: talking to john mclaughlin is as good as it gets uh for me and nathan on here and green and growing hey buddy continued uh, success over there at the mac Fun. keep working hard i know you will and uh thanks for coming on and being the first guest on green and growing appreciate it as always uh you've always supported me and try and reciprocate yep. as much as i can so if you ever need anything let me know
1: what a privilege to be over you guys the first time and uh Sparky, you uh, you're one of my keeping my heart, man, and thank you.
0: I appreciate you, John Mac, Johnny Mac. Take care. There he is, John McLaughlin, Bucks legend joining us here on Green and Growing. So now I got to ask my my cohort here, Nathan Marzian. What was that like? Because I don't think you've ever interviewed John McLaughlin before uh, in in the past, have you?
2: I have not, and for me, it's it's. Very you know, because I, I grew up knowing him as John McLaughlin, the commentator. Right. You know, I, him and paschke I, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's all I grew up with. I was, oh, that's you know, that's John McLaughlin. I don't and then I learned about kind of him as a player and um obviously being there since the beginning. And um just I mean, yeah, it's it's an it's an honor. I mean I, I don't think there's a guy on earth who's seen more Bucks basketball than him. no so.
0: No, I don't I don't think there is either. No, and he he is a a great dude. All right, so we gotta move on here now to the rest of the Green Growing podcast. So my guy here, Marzian. We do podcasts Tuesday Thursdays. So we did the last podcast on Thursday. Did my boy Nathan Marzion at any point, go back, watch a podcast, see if I missed, maybe I fell asleep while he was talking. I don't think I did though. Did he at any point say it in the podcast? Hey dude, guess what? (laughs) Go to Minnesota, go to Minneapolis, go check out Bucks T-Wolves game, go road tripping, man, it's going to be cool. Did he say that? No. How did your boy find out on Twitter, just like you did? That's how I found out the boy was rolling with three guys uh, up to Minneapolis. So, how, so tell me, I mean, you're young, you you don't have it, you don't have no tie-ins to anything, right? You you got no family to worry about, nothing. You can just pick up and go when you want. I remember those days. So, how did this all come about? Did you have tickets already, or wh- how did you end up on this road trip Friday after work to to go? this was planned we when the schedule came out um me and a
2: couple of buddies we have a group chat and we're huge bucks fans have been for a long time known each other for a while we kind of right away looked at the schedule and one of them said hey we should you know it's a friday night 9 p.m we can take a half day off work. i hate
0: 9 p.m starts as an old uh, we guy. love them yeah well we love i know them. you do yeah. I, as an old guy bucks, with kids i hate them bucks but, after dark yeah. yeah
2: so we we were like hey that's a perfect kind of opportunity for a road trip and um so we had that one kind of you know circled on the calendar and. I fortunately know someone who does, he works for the Timberwolves. He's on the graphic design team. He's kind of part of the game day, whole, whole game day experience, sure. gets tickets to the games. And he was like, hey, I can, you know, I can hook you up with some tickets. So um, yeah, we we kind of knew for a little bit we were going to be going to that game. So you game just and,
0: decided not to tell anybody, which can going to be a big surprise. I didn't, I didn't, That's I mean, what it gonna, was. I didn't want to sit up here and like, oh, I'm, I'm going to the Timberwolves well, yeah. game. Gonna, you know, I, yeah, I, that would have been nice. Yeah. Okay, so so you and your three dudes, by the way, listen, if if you're going to go on a road trip, Right. And you're hanging with like one of the most popular Bucks fans on social media. You're giving me too much credit. And you know there's going to be a picture of some sort because you guys all love taking pictures of yourselves because you know that's going to happen. Don't be the dude with the tie in the back of the car when everybody else is chilled and with the relaxed clothes on. Right. I mean, that was the first thing I looked. I don't know who the guy is. So I apologize to you if I'm offending you, but I looked at it and I was like, Wow. Dude literally just walked out of his office and got into the car. The rest of these guys are all ready to go party. Please tell me that guy had like a change of clothes or something when he got to Minneapolis.
2: This was plants. That's my friend, Brandon. It, we, we had a thing. We said, hey, this is a business trip. We're here to get a dub. So he wore a tie? So now we we jokingly in our chat he had said it's a business trip, dress accordingly. And I kind of was like, ha. And he walks out. He was, I went, he was serious. I, I picked him up. He walks out in a in a in a tie and looking all nice. And I was like, Hey, you know, I, I respect it. It's a business trip. Some people so we put that picture on Twitter and some people definitely got it. You know, they were like, Oh, I like the guy in the back, business right, trip, yeah. you know, just here to get the W and um so it was it was just a funny joke. But yes, he he did change. Obviously, he had some bucks Thank that.
0: Okay. Well, that's, that, that's good at least. All right. So is that your first time to see uh, the T-Wolves uh, up in Minneapolis? Yes. What yeah. did you think? It was, I
2: mean, the stadium and stuff, nothing special. I, it, there, I don't have any complaints about it, but it did kind of give me slightly better than Bradley Center vibes where it's just kind of like there's nothing super special about
0: it. There's nothing. That's still the Target Center, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the last time I was at the Target Center, Again, I'm old guy. Uh, The last time I was at the Target Center was for the NBA draft when the NBA draft was there. Uh, And me and my buddy Mike uh, were there, and that was the year they traded for Joel Prisbilla in the draft and traded Joel Prisbilla. And I'll never forget that. We were just there as fans. We were up in the upper deck. And every time Prisbilla would come on, because remember, he played at Minnesota. Every time Prisbilla's picture would come on the Jumbotron – Everybody in the arena would boo him every time. So me and Mike were like, well, I might as well jump in. We don't I, don't, I don't have nothing against this dude, but if everybody else is going to boo him, okay, fine. We'll boo him too. So I'll boo, whatever. So now the draft comes up and they start going and the Bucks take Jason Collier. Rest in peace. He passed away. They Bucks take Jason Collier. So we're like, oh, Jason Collier. At least it's not Joel Prisbilla, whatever. So then later, they announced that the Bucks traded for Joel Prisbilla. We both just ducked in our seats with our Bucks stuff on us and said, oh, no. And they were booing and going crazy and carried out about Prisbilla. But the cool part of that story is when we left the arena, had to use the bathroom right? And there was a hotel right by the arena. I don't remember what hotel it is. And when you walk through the doors, there's just elevators. That's all it is. Just elevators to get up to your room or wherever you're going, right, to to go. So we didn't have room keys or anything. So we just snuck in the elevator with a couple other people that got in the elevator, got off at a floor, didn't know where we were, walked out, and we were at the hotel bar on some level, right? And we're like, oh, okay. And we look around, and it's everybody. Like, all the guys that were drafted, their families, like that was Mateen Cleve's draft. He's walking around in socks, walking around the bar area, Uh, uh, Hubie Brown sits down at the bar Right by us and all of this stuff Is going on it was wild It was so cool because we were the only ones probably Up there that didn't have like an Official NBA credential or something We were just kind of hanging out people's parents Some of these draft picks parents are talking To us moms are talking to us oh where y'all from Blah 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 yeah that was my One experience at the Target Center not as Cool as your four guy trip To (laughs) Minneapolis like y'all pulled off but uh, Either way so I'm assuming that Stadium probably hasn't been upgraded very much since then, because back then Target Center was relatively new. That's why they got the draft and so forth. Uh, but Minneapolis, cool town. Did you guys go out at all? Yeah, we did. We went not super far.
2: We were kind of right around the, the arena there. And we left And we because, again, it was such a late game. Right. We, we got there around seven, ended up leaving around nine in the morning or whatever. No, that's so, not bad. You know, we, we weren't there super long, but yeah, no, it, it was a good time. We went to um, a bar right across
0: kind of from the, from the target center. So. Yeah. Minneapolis, a cool town, man. real yeah. cool town. A lot of fun uh Minneapolis. All right. Uh, weekend uh, recap. Again, you, you Bucks fans need to learn to relax a little bit. Now again, I am the emotional one. I am the emotional one. If you watch Curtin long from yesterday, you see me screaming and yelling and losing my mind several times in that podcast. So I can be the emotional one. But the Marjan Bochamp love. Oh my lord! You all need to just take a breath, uh, Bochamp. Like just relax. Like Marjan yesterday is tweeting out. if I see anybody overreacting to this loss? I swear. Okay, fine. But the Marjan Bochamp thing. Yes, he had. He got out transition. Had a couple nice plays. Okay, but that's what he is. I mean. That that's really what he's going to be. He's going to excel in transition. He's going to excel, hopefully, on defense, staying in front of his guy, making things difficult. That's kind of who he is at this point. He hits a he hits a three-pointer, and then next one he like, airballs and barely hits the rim. So, I mean, that's kind of what you're going to see, I think, from Bochan. But I'll give it to you, Nathan. I mean, you guys were all excited about Marjan Bochan, Marzion. And it's like, oh, do you remember where you were? I'm like, oh my
2: lord, this kid. Well, hold on, hold on. So I I said, all I said was, you know, I I, I tweet out my stuff and it's kind of usually half joking. Like I'll purposely over exaggerate some well, stuff. Well, now you got
0: whatever. a podcast answer for all of it. So, so
2: congratulations. So I just said, you know, oh, where were you the night Marjan Bochamp took Jordan Moore a spot in yes. location? Because I do think that's accurate. I think he should take Jordan Morris' spot, but I I 100% agree with you. I was actually going to talk about that with Bochamp about, you know, people do need to definitely pump the brakes. I think we get a little bit bored being very good. And it's like, there's not much to, you know, really criticize hype up, or criticize hype yes. up, talk about. It's just yes. like, okay, Giannis is great. Drew's kind of inconsistent. We're waiting for Chris to get back. And it's just kind of the same thing. Brooke's been awesome. And I think people, as soon as there's something new, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, something to talk about. Bochamp had a really good game on, yeah. uh, on Friday. You know, I saw it. It was right you know, in, in person, everything. It was, it was awesome. But, um, it's it's still, to me, It's he's not going to play that much once Chris comes back. I'm not going to say, you know, don't play him at all. He's still a rookie. I mean, he's still, he's shooting 20% from three. Um, it, it, like he hasn't been that as good as I think people kind of make it up to be in their heads. Still, it's awesome to see him having some some nice moments. and, you know, this early in his career able to contribute at least a little bit in some meaningful, you know minutes. But definitely one hundred percent pump the brakes. It's he's a rookie, and there there's just not going to be that many spots. I think for right now, he can play over war, and I want him to. But once Chris comes back, once Pat comes back, there's just not that much room for.
0: Him. I totally agree. And the one thing about Bochamp that you, Want to hold on to are the stories that you're hearing about work ethic and wanting to be great and and wanting to be that that next great player. That is more than you could possibly ever want because if that transitions to him being with Giannis in the offseason and working with Giannis in the offseason and maybe going to Greece with Giannis in the offseason and going through his workout regimen and doing crazy stuff like that I'm not saying that will happen I'm saying if it does happen now you start to really start to imagine okay how good can this dude be right he's going to probably reach all of his talent potential if he's putting in that much work because again do all guys work every offseason probably yeah do all guys work at the level of Kobe, Michael, Giannis? No. No chance. They all work, yes, but they all work at different levels. And everybody has different drives. Some guys get paid. They're happy. They like living the lifestyle. That's why they're in the league. Don't necessarily love the game, but like it good enough because it, it provides a paycheck and they're good being just good. Or whatever the case may be. Other guys the few rare few have the ha, have all the talent in the world and know they have a chance to be the greatest ever one of the greatest ever and that's all they live for and the competitive fire and the drive and that's what fuels them giannis jordan you know kobe th- those type of of players then you have other guys that are super uber talented Uh, And just don't give a flying rip about anything and just want to party off the court and do whatever they want to do and don't want to put the work in. And instead of reaching their full potential, they're in and out of the league in three, four, five years, and it's over. And it's done just like that, and you're just left shaking your head like, dude what happened and then you know you hear the stories about off the curtain, You're like well there you go he cost himself and that's the frustrating part so when you hear stuff about Bochamp champ like this you get excited knowing okay maybe not this year next year you see growth but in maybe three years you know maybe you do have a starting type player on this basketball team uh that can be a difference maker
2: yeah and i was actually one of the more critical people of the pick when it actually happened like on twitter and stuff um and
0: you're a big G League Ignite fan. Watched a lot of them. I well, I, did, I certainly did not watch anything of him of G League Ignite. No.
2: So I do. I mean, in the summers, I do a ton of like looking at. I NBA draft is my thing. I love college basketball. Nice. So I I I do a lot of you know. And this isn't to say I know more than anyone else, but I do a lot of research on these guys. Yeah. At least so that when they make a pick and when you know the, their picks up, I want to know. Okay, like I generally have a feeling of, you know what each of these guys kind of can bring to the table and just, I you know I just want to at least have some knowledge of it. So I personally, I didn't love it when it happened. I said um, I wanted someone maybe who could, you know, I didn't, I didn't like that. He couldn't shoot very well. And I thought, you know, if you're going to put a guy around Giannis, it has to be, you know, you have to at least be able to shoot because if you can, it's going to be really hard to work with that offensively. But One of the things I mean I did love about him and why I said hey you know in a few years he could be good I don't you know I didn't think he's going to be great right away because again he can't shoot that well and you know even right now it doesn't feel like he's shooting that terribly but he's shooting twenty percent from three Um, and it's it's just it's not going to be he's not going to be a great shooter right away he's not going to get a ton of minutes right away Um, again which is part of the reason I didn't love the pick but in the future. I loved, you know, that he seems like he's a very good, genuine dude. Wants to work super hard, and um, and he was crying on draft night. It just seemed like he was a guy that appreciates the opportunity he's given, and isn't just, you know, one of those big names. Okay, I'm, you know, I'm the man here. I'm gonna walk right. in, and you know, they just think they're all that. Like he, he, he's gonna get better. He's gonna be one of those guys who's working with Giannis and wants to, and and you know, doing everything he can to to reach his full potential. So that's what I liked about the.
0: Pair. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, last topic to get to here, and that is. Uh, This whole Giannis thing. So, listen. They they come home from Minnesota. They rest Giannis. Okay. And immediately I see on Twitter tweets of people complaining. God, I hate it when they rest Giannis at home. Why do they have to rest Giannis at home? So, for those of you that may not have heard the 5 million episodes on the Wendy's Big Show where I talked about this. Or on my post-game shows where I talked about this. And I've talked about this I don't know, since the Spurs decided not to send anybody to Milwaukee with Duncan and Ginobili and Parker and all three stayed back in San Antonio since that story blew up. And then going forward after that, I've always had the exact same belief. And it's not going to change just because Giannis is here and we have a superstar of our own. Superstars should be made to play on the road if they're healthy. And if you want to rest them, you rest them at home in front of your fans where they get a half a season of games every year and you have a career to watch this dude. Okay. I get it. Right. You finally have enough money to afford to take you and little Johnny to a serve form and spend $500 on a ticket and drinks or whatever the hell the case is going to be. Okay. I get it. And by the way, a side note their family deal that they threw out there, uh what was it, last week, two weeks ago, whatever it was, you can see the upper deck for twenty bucks. I mean you say whatever you want. I mean, as long as you're fine parking five miles away and walking, cause their parking rates are ridiculous at 30 bucks a head or whatever the hell it is. Uh, as long as you can walk, I mean, that's reasonable 20 bucks. You can pay that for a brewer game or more than that. So you can get into that stadium now because they're not selling it out. You can get into that stadium. If you work hard enough, you can figure out deals, for how to get in there uh, a lot cheaper than what the face ticket prices say most of the time. Anyways, that was a side note. So, Yes, I'm sorry. You bring little Johnny, and no Giannis. He's there on the sidelines having a bag of popcorn or whatever. Okay, fine. All right. That stinks. I'm sorry. But you're going to have next year. You had last year, the year before that, the year before that, and in the next couple of years. Like, He's not going anywhere. Now, I understand if this is the last year and he's retiring at the end of the year and it's a farewell tour, well, that's on you. I mean, you've had 10 years, 12 years to figure this out. You didn't go, you didn't go. But again, when you're only going to that arena once a year, whatever the case may be, and then maybe the previous year he's hurt and can't play, and the year before that something happens, so now the first time in three years he's actually going to play in my arena, and he sits, and he's healthy, and he doesn't play? So, so to me, Nathan, I have zero problem with this. This is exactly how it should be done for superstars in this league. You play on the road, and if you want to sit to rest your aging knees or back or whatever the case may be, you do it at home in front of your fan base. I I totally support the way they're doing
2: it. And if you're a Bucks fan – Buying tickets to a home game against the Thunder on a back to back, you have to know the risk that comes with that of hey, yes. they're you know, Giannis might not play in this game. It's a back to back against the Thunder. They're still probably gonna be able to win without Giannis. And that you know, the reality of the NBA these days is, you know, these guys aren't gonna play on back to backs. If they're playing a long game, they're not trying to play every single game of the year. It's not like it was in the nineties. Yeah. And no. Nope. And as you said, it's it's you know, you play him on the road where those, those fans only get, you know, maybe one chance, honestly, to, to watch this guy play yeah. in his prime. Um, and it's, so yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, but yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's kind of a thing where if you happen to um, if it happens to be on a game, that's not a back-to-back and against a good team, that's, that's more unfortunate and unlucky. And I don't think that one would be planned, but it's like, you have to know buying these tickets and, and doing this, that if, if you're buying tickets on a back-to-back, especially that second night and if it, you know, or if one of those is a really bad team, it's, I mean, that's, that's the risk that comes with it. You kind of have to just keep that in the back of your mind.
0: And you take it to the next level, right? Take it to baseball. If you buy tickets for a Sunday afternoon game or a Wednesday afternoon game, you better know that on a day game following a night game, that you may not see the best players in that lineup for that baseball team. I mean, that's why they call it Sunday lineups because half the time, Two, three star players are sitting out and they're playing bench guys on that Sunday afternoon after coming off back to back night games on Friday and Saturday or a Wednesday or Thursday afternoon game following a night game. You're going to see guys rest. You take the same risk when you buy tickets to those baseball games. Really, the only sport where you don't risk that is the NFL. That's it. That's the only sport where, you know, you're going to see everybody play in a regular season game. That's if they're able and willing to play, unless it's the last game of the season and some team has everything sewn up and they decide to rest guys. But outside of that, everybody's going to play, but in baseball and basketball, and I I don't know the NHL, so I can't speak to the NHL if they do this, but at least for baseball and basketball, this is going to continue to happen going forward because rest is such an important thing and making sure these guys are ready to go. And, especially when you're the Bucks, I mean, this isn't a team that's fighting for a seven or eight seed resting a guy. This is a team that's planning on win the whole thing, which means you're playing to the end of June. That's a long season, y'all. I mean, you're stalking training camp at the end of September, starting g- games in the middle of October, and going all the way to the end of June? It's two and a half months off in between. That's a lot of wear and tear and travel uh, on you. And again, I, I don't... I just don't have any problem with it whatsoever. All right. So that'll do it for another edition of green and growing. We will do this fun stuff one more time coming up on Thursday this week. You want to stay tuned for that. Before, I, before, oh, before we go quick,
2: I'm very shocked. You didn't bring up that.
0: I basically won my NBA finals last why night. Why would I purposely set out to embarrass my guy, Nathan Marzian? Like I had thought I was when, popping got, champagne when and... I got John McLaughlin on, I, w- I was going to ask him what he thought of of your idea. Then I thought, yeah, I don't want to do that and embarrass Nathan in, in front of John McLaughlin. Then I was going to make it a topic on the Green and Growing podcast. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to embarrass him. He's new. I don't want to, you know, you're three or you're four if we're still doing this. Yeah, okay, maybe I'm going to go at him a little bit more heated. But I figured, oh, I'll just kind of let it go or whatever the case may be. But as I told you last night, I was thinking of you as as they were clearly not going to win that game yesterday. As as you're watching the game, even without Trey Young, you can't figure out how to win that game. But either way, so you you realize that's going on, and I'm like, well, no more winning streak to start the season. Marzian's got to be a happy camper. Yep, and it's all done now. And and this just to be clear for people
2: that might not understand, I mean, this is somewhat sarcastic That was from the last podcast yeah yeah. I wasn't I'm not rooting for them to lose but I did say I I don't really want them to start like 16 17 and 0 and generate Mm -hmm. a ton of hype and attention around them I feel like a loss here and there keeps them a little bit honest and just you know I I think it's good for them so I wasn't I'm not I I was not cheering for them to lose but I was definitely completely fine with it and I did I did actually tweet out before the game I said I have a feeling they're going to lose this game and I once Trey Young was out I thought okay that they probably should take care of business but still kind of had this feeling like this would be the game and um just a real quick talk about the the loss just super quick I actually was fine with how it happened because usually when they're losing these games it's barrage of threes and I know that the Hawks got a little bit hot but they only made 11 threes only shot I think 37 which isn't a ton and um, it was more mid-range stuff, and the Bucks just turning it over. So I thought that was at least a good sign of Bucks didn't you know, play well. Yeah, we just did You're well going to have
0: these games all year where you're just not going to show up on a given night, and things just aren't going to go your way. You're not going to have the energy. You're not going to have your head necessarily in the game because it is a long season. You're going to have more of these, but that and that's. Again, it's different if you're fighting for a 7 or 8 seed. If you're fighting for a 7 or 8 seed, every loss is magnified. Every loss is big because it could cost you a season, cost you a playoff spot later in the season. Or now you got this stupid playing tournament, 9 and 10, whatever. But, but for the most part, those are big. But when you're the king of the mountain or close to being the king of the mountain, regular season losses don't mean much. It's just not as big of a deal to overreact to and freak out about and everything. And again, you have the best player in the league you know, this affords you the opportunity to be like, okay, they lost Atlanta. Who's next. Let's see what happens the next game. Uh, and, And then you move on. All right. That'll do it for green and growing. Another edition of green and growing in the books. Have a good one. You all talk to you on Thursday. Don't forget, download us Spotify, Odyssey, Apple, Google podcasts available on all of them. Have a good one.